I was recently at my annual dermatology appointment. I come from a long line of skin cancer history, so I get a full body scan once a year to make sure there aren't any unusual marks. And at the end of the appointment, the doctor asked if I had any questions. So I asked the thing that's on most mid-30s, closer to 40-year-old woman's mind, if there's one thing you'd recommend, besides sunscreen, to slow down the natural aging process, what would it be? In this first episode of season two, we're talking about skincare. Hello, I am your host, Shannon Lore, and I'm an entrepreneur, mother, and consumer who thinks a lot about what I buy, especially when it comes to home, food, and beauty. I truly believe that taking charge of the toxins and pollutants in our own families is a huge step in changing the world. With many episodes under 10 minutes, I'll offer quick tips towards healthier, more sustainable living without overwhelm or shame. This is the Clean Living Podcast. So what was my dermatologist's answer? In a surprise twist, she actually didn't try to sell me on Botox. Uh, Her answer was the exact same as an esthetician I talked to a few weeks earlier. They both said, alternate using a retinol and vitamin C serum at night and use hyaluronic acid and SPF 30 during the day. Yeah, so I asked for one recommendation and I got four recommendations, Uh, but I guess doctors do tend to be overachievers. Being based in Southern California, I was already using a daily SPF on my face, but that left me in research mode for the other three products I needed to be applying to my face at least once per day, presumably for the next, I don't know, 50 years. Will I still be trying to slow aging when I'm 88? Probably not. Fast forward to me scouring the internet for a retinol, vitamin C serum, and hyaluronic acid, and sifting through the hundreds of products on the market. Oh my gosh, ranging from $6 to $320 per bottle. But then of course, you know, being me, there's a whole other level of complication that comes with this research because I don't wanna start putting any questionable ingredients on my face every single day. The thing about the skincare industry, whether it's makeup, sunscreen, or yes, anti-aging serums, it's that conventional skincare products can contribute to hormone imbalance. They can also contribute to infertility, as well as breast, ovarian, and uterine cancer in women. And that's because of three main ingredients. Can you even call them ingredients? Three main components? BPA, parabens, and phthalates. If you Google it, you'll find dozens of studies drawing a similar conclusion about these toxins. Yeah, I guess I'll call them toxins instead of ingredients or components. But the one I'm going to highlight is from 2018 when researchers at George Mason University discovered links between the chemicals widely used in cosmetic products and changes in reproductive hormones. The researchers analyzed the urine samples of 143 women aged 18 to 44 who had no known chronic health conditions and did not use birth control. Those with chemicals such as parabens, which is a preservative widely used in makeup and skincare, and bisphenol A, BPA, in their urine, were found to have abnormal amounts of the reproductive hormones estrogen and progesterone. So I'll say that again. 
There was the presence of parabens and BPA in their urine, as well as abnormal levels of estrogen and progesterone. And granted, 143 women is admittedly a small sample size for a research study, but this is only one study. Additional studies indicate that too much estrogen has been linked to fibroids, irregular menstrual periods, and breast cancer. Too much progesterone is associated with breast cancer, while it is thought that BPA, known as the quote-unquote gender-bending chemical for its effect on male breast growth, could cause infertility. For the purposes of this episode, it's not actually parabens or BPA that I want to focus on. I talked quite a bit about both in season one. It's the third component, phthalates, that I want to zoom in on here. I've talked about phthalates before in the fragrance episode that I'll link to in the show notes below. And believe me when I say they're worth bringing up again. Phthalates describe a group of chemicals used to make plastics more durable. They're often called plasticizers. They're added to everything from cleansers to household goods to vinyl flooring to personal care products to water bottles and takeout containers to make them more durable, flexible, and or fragrant. The reason that phthalates in particular are such a threat to our health is because even if you aren't putting them on your skin, they easily escape from these products as vapors or particles in the air that we inhale, the air that we breathe. In fact, phthalates can be found in the urine of nearly every American, as well as in blood, sweat, breast milk, and semen. They're also found in makeup, hairspray, deodorant, and perfumes from brands that you may have in your medicine cabinet and makeup bag right now. We're talking Revlon, Procter & Gamble, Calvin Klein, Johnson & Johnson, the list goes on. As I learned in reading both animal studies and human studies, hormone-disrupting chemicals like phthalates change how reproductive organs develop in the womb. So it's not just your own fertility that's being affected, the harmful effects of these toxins end up playing out over a lifetime and even across generations. In fact, scientists think prenatal exposures to phthalates may set the stage for gynecological disorders like PCOS and may make women more sensitive to other chemicals that impair fertility. So basically, exposure to phthalates can cause a pregnant woman to pass on fertility problems to her female baby. According to a separate study, children and babies were shown to have higher exposure to most phthalates than adults do. Prenatal exposure to phthalates is correlated with greater social deficits, as well as impaired social communication, social awareness, and social cognition in children. This particular study specified children 7 to 9 years old. And I'm just going to pause here for a second with a quick thought. The hardest part about doing this podcast is sharing the type of info I've just spent the last, what, seven minutes talking about. I hate the idea that you're on your daily walk, you know, you're pushing your your sweet baby in a stroller and I've just completely freaked you out. I can completely empathize with a racing heart and sweating palms as you're like mentally surveying all the products you use while you were pregnant or right now. I've been there and I don't want anyone to go into panic mode. The format of this podcast is based on the idea that 
cliche as it is, knowledge is power. It's about progress over perfection. Knowing that if you breathe air, drink water, and eat food, then there's just no way to completely avoid the things I'm talking about. So that's all to say, please don't panic. I will never end an episode without showing you a better way and empowering you to make small changes that will benefit you and your family in the long run. The amazing thing about the human body that we have to remember is that it's regenerative and restorative. We can heal it from the inside out just by slowly reducing exposure and slowly introducing better options. Okay? So stick with me here. So now we know phthalates, not good for you, found in a lot of things, impossible to avoid. But one area where we can try to avoid them is in our skincare. So how do you know if there are phthalates in the current skincare you use? Maybe you're thinking, Shannon, I just checked the label on my face wash and it doesn't say phthalates as one of the ingredients. Does that mean I'm in the clear? Well, if you were freaked out before, now's the part where you have every right to become enraged. In the United States, the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, does not require the labeling of specific ingredients, including phthalates in the packaging of cosmetic products. This is actually a direct quote from the FDA's website. Quote, the regulations do not require the listing of the individual fragrance or flavor or their specific ingredients. As a result, a consumer may not be able to determine from the ingredient declaration on the label if phthalates are present in a fragrance or a flavor used in the product. The statement on the FDA's website goes on to say, quote, under the law, cosmetic products and ingredients, with the exception of color additives, are not subject to FDA approval before they go on the market, end quote. And then, despite all of the studies indicating otherwise, the statement says, quote, at the present time, the FDA does not have evidence that phthalates as used in cosmetics pose a safety risk, end quote. It's also worth noting that the FDA hasn't updated its survey of cosmetics for phthalate content since 2010. So think about how many new products have come to market in the past 13 years, and the survey has not been updated. But I digress. Let's focus on what we can do as consumers to fix this for ourselves and for her families if our leadership won't take responsibility. The first place is to start with the skincare products in your own home. If we can't remove all the phthalates from our lives, then let's at least try to remove the ones we put directly on our bodies. The most simplified way I can boil it down is to eliminate products that have fragrance, flavor, or a big name cosmetic label. At the risk of demonizing every cosmetic conglomerate, if the product comes from a big brand, has a smell or flavor, and doesn't say fragrance-free or phthalate-free, then it's probably not something you wanna use. Again, this is a generalization, but it's an easy rule of thumb to remember when you go to buy new products. Where things get a little trickier is with the brands you use that may not be as well known, or they have fragrance, but it says it's in an essential oil, or it's labeled as a quote unquote natural flavor. This is when we can get confused by greenwashing and maybe need an outside vetting resource, which is why I recommend the Skin Deep website 
anytime you buy a new personal care product, not just skincare, they have every category on there practically. Skin Deep was started by the Environmental Working Group, and I'll link to the website uh, in the show notes that we have, but it's a free resource where you can search their database of virtually any cosmetic or personal care product, brand, or ingredient. So what I would recommend right now, yes, right now, is to whip open your medicine cabinet or your makeup bag if it's handy and search some of the products you use the most on Skin Deep. You'll get a detailed report about the product, including perhaps the problematic ingredients and a ranking from 1 to 10 of where it falls from best to worst. A 10 is the worst. If you find out that the, you know, the beloved CoverGirl foundation you've been using for 15 years is ranked as a 5, don't panic. You can then search their database of EWG verified foundations for an alternative. For some quick recs, a few of my favorite skincare and makeup brands are Well People, which you can actually find in Target, and Biosense. I'll link those in the show notes at cleanlivingpodcast.com slash skincare. As a friendly reminder also to any new listeners, links to all my research sources and the studies I mentioned in every episode can also be found in the show notes. What I want to leave you with for today, though, is the Skin Deep website and just this five-minute homework assignment to search some of the skincare products that you use the most using their search tool. Again, I will say this till, you know, the cows come home. How many cliches can I say in one episode? It's cliche to say, but knowledge is power. And this is one way to start claiming your own power every single night just by going to wash your face or, you know, every morning when you get ready for the day. Oh, and for those of you wondering about my dermatologist recommendations at the top of the episode, I didn't end up buying retinol. Retinol is a potent form of vitamin A, and it's actually ranked a 9 by the EWG, uh, mainly because of the mix of retinol and sun exposure. I'm also still breastfeeding, so until I can do more research, it just felt like a safe pass. I ended up buying a plant-based retinol serum instead called Bacuchiol that is ranked a one by the EWG. And, you know, I'm sure it doesn't work as well to reduce wrinkles. Um, It still feels like just a better option right now. I'll link to the hyaluronic acid and the vitamin C serums I bought um, in the show notes. Again, that's at cleanlivingpodcast.com slash skincare. Side note, I'm looking at the recording time right now, and I definitely did not stick to the 10-minute episode I promised you. Someone got a little too excited, Uh, so I'll try to reel it in for future episodes, but thanks everyone for listening for this first episode of season two. This is the Clean Living Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Lohr. If you learned something today, please share this episode with a friend. Uh, Maybe it's the person who you know is still using that clean and clear facial burst cleanser. Remember that? 16-year-old Shannon loved her morning burst of microbeads. Oh, to be a teenager in 2002. See you next week.